Rachel, what are you doing? Well, after several weeks of rest and replenishment, I'm back with the first episode of my new series, Series 2 of the Lessons from Lost podcast. I really hope I haven't lost all my followers during this break as I've got some really interesting guests lined up. And who are you talking to this week? Well, a lovely lady called Theodora Izzard. That's a very interesting name. It is. She's an interesting person. And what are you talking about? Well, she talks about how developing a spiritual practice helped her lose eight stone of both physical and emotional weight. Blimey, that is impressive. And does a porcupine feature in the spiritual journey? No, she didn't mention it, but in other news, Jamie Farrell, who composed this beautiful music, he was awarded a first-class degree this summer in his film school composition. Well, good for him. It sounds really interesting. Let's go. and welcome to the Lessons from Loss podcast in which we share our experiences of loss and more importantly what we learn from them that now positively guides and defines our life today. I'm your host Rachel Smith and each episode I chat with a different guest. I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the courage and vulnerability of all my guests in sharing their experiences and also the impact that listening has on you. Please look after yourself as you listen. Today I'm excited to be chatting with Theodora Izzard, an award-winning angelic Reiki master. Theodora had a spiritual awakening following the death of her dad, and by healing her mental health and, and addiction to binge eating, she shed an incredible eight stone. Welcome, Theodora. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, very, very welcome. And I'm sure this is going to be a, a really interesting conversation because Weight loss is something that is, you know, of interest to many different people, um, you know, affects affects their lives. And they're often seeking out the latest diet or protocol that will work for them. So I'm really intrigued to hear about the connection of your spiritual awakening following the loss of your dad and how that then led to you shedding all this weight. So perhaps we should start with maybe what life was like before all of this happened, when you say in your own words, you know, your mental and physical health were hanging by a thread, what was going on for you at that time? As far as I was aware at the time, I, my life was normal because I didn't know any different. I, I had complex PTSD from uh, trauma in, in childhood and, and things like that. And so I used to, I was, I used to drink a lot. And I'd always, since childhood, what I now realise was binge ate and always had a bad relationship with food, had been bullied on various occasions about my weight and things like that. And But food for me was uh, a great comfort. It was always, always something that made me feel better. And it was one of the main ways that many people in my family had shown me love was you know to be fed and looked after and you know comforted using that so I associated that with love really strongly and I can see through various 
events in my life, if something traumatic had happened, I can now see that my le- my weight would go up afterwards. And even when I had lost weight, if I'd lost a lot of weight previously, so at university, I put on a lot of weight. And then afterwards, I'd got a job at riding stables, and I lost probably about seven or eight stone again. But then just through sheer physical labor, but I couldn't keep it off because I hadn't, de- I, I hadn't dealt with my mental health. Like I still, I could not cope with what was happening emotionally. So when my dad got ill, because he, ha- he had uh, cancer before he died, um, the weights slowly started going on because I, I couldn't cope with having a job and trying to have a social life and the fact that my dad was ill and, you know, just general life that was going on. So everything just started to escalate. And because it was happening over kind of four years before he died, it wasn't necessarily something that, you know, I noticed as much. It was such a gradual thing. And then after he died, I just, I, I just carried on because for a long, a whole part of my grieving process, I just sat and ate like I couldn't, I could not cope with what had, what had happened. So I just sat <laughs> and ate and did nothing for, um, yeah, probably. I get really confused with timings, but um, yeah, I mean, life just got more and more stressful, and the more stressful it got, the more I drank and the more I ate, and and it just, you know got to the point where I realized now that my body was screaming at me that something had to change and luckily it did because I I genuinely if I hadn't have chosen the path that I have gone down I don't I wouldn't have made it I wouldn't be alive no way gosh yes so what was this catalyst moment of of change was it a a kind of a blinding light or was it something more sort of subtle than that um there were various events that had kind of had started building up I I became aware of energy and the spiritual nature of things I wasn't spiritual in any way shape or form previously and uh, I had met a medium and she had messages for me and she said to me you know you're going to end up doing Reiki you need to get into energy, you have a gift, you need to look into this. Ended up um, going for a reading and, and the woman had kind of said to me, you're, you're, at a, 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 you know, you're at a fork in the road and you can carry on the way you've been going or you can, you've got Pandora's box in front of you and you can open it, but once you open it, there's no going back. And I just went, well, get it open because there's nothing you know can't be anything worse than what's already gone on in life so we might as well just you know have a good crack and um that's when everything really kind of I realize now that's when I could start to feel my intuition and I could you know I started getting drawn to things like I suddenly wanted to go for walks and I suddenly wanted to be outside in nature and and things that had never appealed to me before but it was all start kind of building on things that now are integral to my life. And I had the weight loss thing. I had I had, was at a business networking event for my job um, and there was a PT there. 
And so just as part of the networking thing, you know, you end up going for coffees with people and finding out all about them, blah, blah, blah. And obviously being, you know, 24 stone, I was a prime candidate. So we, um, we kind of, you know, we sat and had a chat and she said, you know, why don't you, I, I work at the Results Academy um, in terms of roles and why don't you come down and have a look? And it sort of started from there, really. Uh, I, I'd quit my job and life had kind of, I'd made a promise to myself. I had this feeling come over me one day and it it was just this feeling of, I just don't want to be sad anymore. And I kind of made a promise to myself that day that I would do whatever it took to get happy. And it's taken about six years, but I'm kind of there now, I think, <laughs> um, which is nice. It was it was all part of that. So yeah, it was. I started. It was two thousand September two thousand and eighteen. I started working out. I was just. I mean, and nothing super extreme because I I physically actually couldn't do that much. I think you know that's the thing. I think a lot of people when you start thinking about having to go on some weight loss journey or whatever, like everybody goes for these extreme things, like, you know, I'm going to eat just cabbage for six months and whatever. No, like, it's not about that. It's really about small, changing your habits and making consistent effort every day. And then the small changes lead to the big ones. So, you know, I couldn't physically do an awful lot in the gym, but my, that's why I had a PT because she and I was so I mean I I now I group train but then I was so embarrassed about how I looked and and everything like that that I couldn't I, I had to be one-on-one -on -one with no one else in the gym I couldn't run I could you know I, my mobility was bad like so she had to kind of work things out for me that would still making me work but it wasn't super extreme like I wasn't coming out the next day absolutely crippled because she knew you know that's the thing you have to make it so it's sustainable so that you're still enjoying it and still seeing results otherwise that's why people quit because everyone goes in super hard thinking it's going to be you know this great transformation but they expect too much too soon and anything extreme isn't sustainable I just actually, as you were talking there, it just made me think back to the start of lockdown when everybody got on doing the Joe Wicks work, daily workouts and and how many people that I knew were, you know, suddenly it was the first time they'd exercised in years and years. And, you know, but they perhaps only did it for, for one or two days because actually they, they then couldn't move the following day because they'd they'd overdone it. So that, yeah, that's really great to hear that you were doing it in... Um, in sort of baby steps really just building up and I guess being able to do more and more then sort of over time as your as your strength gained and your your mobility and and, and mobility increased and your the weight dropped off yeah I mean there was definitely you know I mean I, I would weight train three times a week and I just got a dog at that point so I was walking I was walking him every day for you know between half an hour and an hour and then I was calorie counting but still not to an extreme level. I, you know, I think I started on 2000 a day and then eventually over 18 months, I cut it down to like 1400, I think was the lowest that I was ever on. But that was, you know, because of the excessive amount of calories that I was on before, 
I could still eat a recommended daily amount of food for a normal person and still be losing, you know, two kilos a week because I had the excess. And that's the thing is, you know, people, you, you, it's quite normal to have a quick drop off when you first start and then the weight plateaus because you're getting used to it. So then that's when you start, yeah, either having to increase your activity or decrease your calories so that you're still, you're still in a deficit. That's the you know thing about it, and the the great thing about the way that that flow and and the results academy kind of taught me was that it's not necessarily about what you do, you know. It, yeah, it's about the little things that you do every day. But I could still, if I wanted to go out for dinner at the weekend or anything like that, I could still go out and have a pizza and a few glasses of wine at the time because I was still drinking then, because actually it's kind of your deficit over the week. So, you know, if you've got something, it's not about, you know, judging yourself for being good or bad or or all food is food and your body doesn't know the difference between good food or bad food. Your body is just going, okay, this is fuel. So whatever, and it just depends on the quality of the fuel that you're putting in as to how well everything's going to be running. And that was such a kind of major turning point in in how I in my relationship with food because then there wasn't I wasn't then punishing myself for having something that I enjoyed you know it's just it's about balance (laughs) and learning management really rather than just blindly sticking whatever you can in your face which is what I was doing previously yeah I, I really like that that then distinction because as you as you were saying, or you know, there's no such thing as good food or or bad food. I was thinking, well, well, there is, but actually, then we, when you went on, explained more, and and that actually, it's you know, it is just fuel and nutrients that you're putting into your body, and it's actually about the the quality of it. Then then I could think, oh, okay, so that would be like if I had a performance car. And I was putting the, um, you know, the performance fuel in it. Mm-hmm. Every now and again, I just think, oh, sorry, I'm going to go for the cheaper option this time. Yeah. And actually, then the car wouldn't run so well. So perhaps I'd have to then make sure I put in, you know, the good performance stuff for a lot longer just to counteract the the lesser quality fuel that I put in. And the thing that I learned, because for me with binge eating, so much of it was about actually I had to eat as much as possible. So I was, I used to eat massive portions, like there was no stop button for me if I was binging. And I, you know, and the, what I realize now is when I first started, I, my life was a constant binge and it was only after, you know, after once I had learned to restrict and learned to control my mind and therefore could control my food that it was only when something quite extreme happened and then I would feel that urge for a binge and I could hear those voices in my head that were telling me that that's what I needed that it was important for me to still be able what I realized was was actually for me to want to eat a lot I have to eat a lot of good low calorie food i.e fruits and vegetables (laughs) So, so that was that the way that I got around it. I was like, oh my God, I can eat as many, I could eat four plates of salad or I could eat two slices of quiche. However, and it doesn't really, it's, it's, sometimes it is about tricking your brain 
and you know like I would eat off a side plate not a dinner plate and and things like that because we get so used to there are so many different ways that we absorb everything through our senses in a way you have to take it from every angle to try and get the best success the more the more chance of success so what would you say was key for you in terms of being able to change your mindset or your mind programming around the eating I had a lot of therapy mm. <laughs> um I mean I bit about energy healing and and Reiki was paramount to that so I had been after my dad I had been in talk therapy standard CBT talk therapy for three years and you know it was working and yet there was improvement and I was still and I was the ability to be able to talk about a lot of the things in my past was beneficial but it wasn't really getting to the deep crux of stuff and I experienced um, I went to India um, a couple of weeks and in the first week I had energy healing for five days in a row and I had bigger shifts in that week than I'd had in the previous three years in my in my mental health and, and shifting stuff wow and that's kind of what made me go okay yeah there's really something in this and so then when I got back that's when I really delved deep into energy healing just for my own just for my own process um and it was during that that I kind of I realized I had my own healing ability and that's when I did a Reiki course because I wanted to make sure that I had was healing in the right parameters Reiki in itself because it helps to it lowers your stress levels on a on a really basic level it takes you it's aiming to take you out of fight or flight and into rest and recovery so that your body can begin to heal itself Mm -hmm. I mean stress the cortisol makes you hold stomach fat like it's where it's where you hold it all so yeah reiki reiki in itself is probably quite helpful for weight loss but since then using energy healing alongside conventional therapy the amount that i have worked through in such a short space of time i definitely wouldn't have been able to do if i had just used one or the other and do you think that is what has been one of the key things because you you said at the beginning that you'd had a period of time where you had lost six seven eight stone weren't able to to keep it off so do you think doing that therapy alongside with the energy healing has been what's made it stay off this time yeah definitely I mean the reason that I so much of all of my consumption and addiction was because I could not cope that's essentially I was disconnected from myself I could not cope with feeling whether that was good feeling or bad feeling and I was completely and utterly shut down and um, there was so much going on in my subconscious that I had no idea about that I was so desperately trying to keep a lid on it was literally that's half of the problem with the food was if there was any kind of feeling or emotion coming up it was get something in (laughs) to suppress it to get it down so the yeah I mean the energy healing kind of worked in a way to 
start lifting those subconscious blocks and layers. And through a lot of that teaching, it I was taught how to stay in the stay with the feeling and that it's not those thoughts and and feelings aren't necessarily who I am and that actually by releasing all of the stuff all of this stuff that I was just holding on to from my past because I didn't know how to process it then if I could just let that out then I didn't have to carry it anymore and I can really and I think there's a big link between me putting losing the weight of that I was holding on to energetically of all the emotion and the pain from my from my past and the physical weight that I lost a hundred percent well that's that's actually quite amazing but makes kind of sense though doesn't it yeah so that's that kind of just makes sense doesn't it that if you're yeah just shedding all of this negative and and I suppose when you think about or when I think about negative energy I think of it as being kind of dense and thick and murky and yeah like wading through treacle or sludge so yeah that makes sense that there would be you know there is it's dense it's it's waiting it's funny you say about treacle that's exactly how I felt when when the woman talked to me about Pandora's box, <laughs> um, I remember saying to her, I was like, life feels like I am trying to swim through the thickest porridge. It, every day is a struggle. That's how it, and it feels like I'm drowning in it. And that's exactly because I was, I was just in this mess of darkness but I just didn't, I didn't know any different. And now I do, <laughs> like, that's the thing you do feel. And it, it's a tricky thing to, to kind of explain unless you've experienced the difference. But it is quite often what clients will say in, after a Reiki session is, oh, I feel so much lighter. And it is because it's just, right, let's just get rid, <laughs> you know, put down all of this extra stuff that you just don't need anymore you know like that's and when it comes to kind of trauma healing like we we kind of carry this stuff because it's so because it was so painful at the time we think it's going to be equally as painful to face it and let it go whereas in my experience yes of course it is but actually, I kind of got to the point, I was like, well, I've already survived this once. So what's the point of consistently keeping myself in connected to that pain, rather than if I actually just turn and face it full on, normally, to actually just let that emotion out, if you can really sit with it, it's over within a few minutes the main explosion of it and then and all you need is is someone to just mm. be with you and to see you in that moment to 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 acknowledge and hold you in that space so that you're not alone in that anymore so that you can safely 
let out whatever you need to let out. Yeah. And then it's gone. Like, that's it. <laughs> and whatever, when it, when it doesn't matter whether that's, you know, talk therapy or however it is you want to do it, but there has to be some kind of release, whether it's art therapy or music or, you know, what, however it is that you journaling, blah, 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 whatever it is that you find that helps you to, to get that emotion out needs to be done. Yeah, so important, isn't it? And as you were talking then, I was. it made me think of the fact that people often only make changes when the fear or pain of staying the same is greater than the fear or pain of, of doing the change. Because often that pain of changing then turns out to not be as bad as what the pain of staying where you are yeah i mean i would say i don't think change necessarily has to be painful unless you want it to be no but i mean if you if you was if you're stuck yeah that's it yeah your, your desire your desire to want to change has to be greater than the fear of staying still yes yeah. that was so that much was better worded <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's and that's kind of we were talking about it in the gym the other day. And um, Flo said she was like, the difference is that was that Theo wanted it. And that and I kind of and I was like, yeah, I did like <laughs> but the difference was, is that I wanted it for me. I didn't want it. You know, you get you get a lot of people that go, oh, like they'll get engaged. And so they're like, oh, I'm going to have to be thin for my wedding or whatever, whatever, you know, all these other reasons that I want to look good on holiday or I want to do it. And it's like, well, who are you doing this for? Mm. You know, are you actually doing it because you want to be, you? it's about the judgment of others? I just, when my body <laughs> needs to be looked after, I had, um, in the second week in India, I was on a kind of detox retreat thing and they did lots of medical tests and stuff. And they did a bone scan and they'd said that, I my I had been hammering my body so hard for so long that I was borderline osteoporosis and I was 30. Gosh. And that was a real kind of turning. I was like, okay, there's no going back now. I just went enough. Like I went, okay, body, <laughs> you've been looking after me. Yeah. And try and drawing trying so like having no nutrients that you're drawing energy out of my bones because that's all we've got left mm. now I'm going to do everything I can to look after you you know and so that's the thing that sometimes we do need a wake-up call to to make us to make it and that's the thing the universe is gonna is gonna send you signs and push you a certain way if that's the way that you're destined to go it's just on what you know it's going to keep knocking on that door and it just depends. And normally, I think it, the longer you ignore it, the harder it gets. So that's definitely what I found is the more that now, if I f feel something in my intuition or, you know, get pushed towards something, I just go for it because I've learned that actually trying to resist it, resist anything always makes it harder. Yeah, there's that saying, isn't there? What you resist persists which I kind of never really understood until probably fairly recently. But it is exactly that, isn't it? If you, if you, if, you know, you ignore and resist the messages that you're getting, 
then actually they just keep coming back stronger and, and louder and <laughs> and more dramatic yeah. to make you stop and listen to them. Yeah, which is exactly what I was doing with food. Every time something happened, couldn't deal with the emotions, so I ate more. Then I couldn't deal with the next thing, so I ate more. You know, it's just that's the thing. And, and it's always... People kind of say to me, like, oh, how did you, you know, how did you do it? And I'm like, well, I ate less and I moved more, but I sort, but I kept it off by sorting out my mental health. Yeah. And, you know, I think so, that was, and that, well, that was what was so telling in lockdown was that actually so many people, obviously, yeah, people were not moving as much, but actually a lot of people were just not able to cope with the amount of fear that was being thrown at them and just ate and are still on that kind of trajectory, you know, because actually as a society, we're not really taught how to feel and taught no. that our emotions are okay. And that, you know, I mean, there is a big shift now, which is great to see that everybody is now talking about these things. And, you know, but it's it starts in childhood with emotional attunement. Like if as a baby, if you're, if you're distressed and you're going to your parents and your parents are anxious, your parents aren't able to cope with their own emotions and so therefore calm you, you're trying to attune and be calmed by someone that's highly stressed. So it's no wonder that these patterns go on through generations and luckily now are being kind of brought to the surface so that we can try and change things. You know, because we're not really, life's not meant to be hard. <laughs> like, I really, I, what, this is really what I've realised was that life is kind of designed to be beautiful and joyful. And yeah, not to say that, you know, tough stuff isn't going to happen because it is. And there are always lessons that you can learn from that. And that's experience and often what creates a lot of growth. But, you know... It doesn't have to be a struggle. And I think there's a big, you know, society, a lot of it that is, is, is about always wanting more and never being satisfied with what you've got. And so, you know, what's now coming to mind is actually maybe that's why obesity is on the rise because we are just never satisfied. There is always more. Yeah. And actually, if we could try and counter that and say, yeah, I am okay with what I've got. Like, I am okay with how I feel. I am okay with my life. You know, this is all I need. Then maybe that would, we'd see a large, larger knock on effect. Crikey. Yes. Yeah. I think you've hit on something quite profound there, actually. But it is about you know, we'd, we'd, we're not satisfied always looking for the next, for the next fix or the next, yeah. I don't know, just um, endeavour to feel satisfied without actually stopping and going, yeah, do you know what, I've, I've, I've got enough. Yeah. And I think so much of it is, again, comes down to not actually being present with how we feel. So, you know, there's what's coming to mind is, like the 50 shades of gray thing how like bdsm and all of this stuff has kind of taken off and become a lot more popular because actually everybody is so shut down 
from what they're actually feeling in their bodies there's this whole of like okay we need we need more and we need to have more of an extreme experience all the time whereas actually mm-hmm. if you cut all of that back and actually spend time connecting in with your body bringing your body back to life you don't need any of this other stuff to create sensation you just need to open up the neural pathways and the nerve endings that are already there but have been shut down from a previous experience you know so once you kind of start to learn about presence and opening up about feeling it's not just about emotion it is about physicality and you know sexuality and and absolutely everything in your life becomes more more sensitive and open and richer and has so much more depth which is part of the whole point of being human Mm. is to experience everything you know but we have the ability to experience everything to its deepest amount within our bodies but it's just learning how to access that and i think so much of the time we're we're programmed to shut down from that and not connect in with ourselves that it's it actually makes life a lot more dull yeah yeah so what tips could you give people as to how how can they get that connection well breathing (laughs) yeah (laughs) breathing actually is a really basic way of doing it you know if because if you take a minute and you literally just stop and all you think about is your breathing, you'll probably notice that actually you breathe just in the top half of your chest. You don't breathe into your body. So you're already only half capacity of something, a physical process that we do every day, because it's the thing we're not thinking about it because our brains are so we're always thinking about work or family or whatever other stress is going on. When we bring it back to ourselves What is going on in my body right now? If you were to do a full body scan of like, okay, how do my toes feel? What does it feel like against my socks or my slippers? What can I feel like? What parts of me are aching? What parts of me feel good? And then you kind of start off physically, but then you can go into, okay, the emotional of like, okay, and how does it feel to notice that my back feels a bit stiff or you know, my toes feel warm. Do you know what I mean? Like, how, how do you connect in with that? Where is this? If, you know, if there's nine times out of 10 people have got stress in their shoulders. Okay, what am I stressed about? Like, can I let that go? Can I breathe? Can I move? You know, and we, we hold so much stress and trauma in our bodies. And it's one of the reasons why exercise has been so helpful in, in, and that's thing, move, like go for a walk, just get into yeah. your body and out of your head, you know, and even if you have to, as you're walking along, if you have to go up oh, to bring yourself into the present moment, so you're not thinking about all this other stuff that's going on in your life. Sometimes I walk along if I notice that my brain is bad that day. And I'm like, Oh, look, look at that leaf. Oh, yes, I am walking. Yep. Yeah oh, there's some mud there. Like I have to be so stringent with it, but it doesn't take too long before I'm then flowing again. But it takes effort. This is the thing, like 
it's these little efforts that you have to make every day to learn how to connect in with yourself and and learn how to love yourself better which has been most of the journey for me yes I can you know listening to you it's like a huge journey that you've that you've been on yeah and pretty rapid actually <laughs> in a, yeah I was going to say in a in what appears to be a relatively short space of time but maybe that's that combination of doing the the more sort of commonplace you know the, the talking therapies and doing work at the gym and and all of that but then also getting that extra double helping of of energy work on top that's really helped you shift that so much faster yeah I mean I definitely I'm so grateful in a way in lots of ways that my life has I was able I had the ability to and the financial the finances available for myself so that I was able to not have a job for a little bit and you know and I was able to and to have the money available to do the healing that was necessary and and spend all of that time focused on myself. I'm sure if I had still had a normal nine to five and, and a family to worry about and a partner and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, of course it would have taken longer, but that wasn't my path. Like my path was to go, this, my life hadn't been about me up until that point. And now it was, and I've had to learn how to be okay being with myself and learning to love myself yeah from the inside out and I mean it started from the outside in <laughs> but the, it's even with you know your expectations of what's going to happen or you know if you start think just thinking about when I was trying to lose weight I was I had this image of myself in my head of being like oh yeah I'm going to be like super skinny and so great and I'm la 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 but the problem is, is that actually when you've lost eight stone, you still have the, the amount of skin and tissue of the person that you were beforehand. So my body doesn't look how I thought it would. And it doesn't look how it feels on the inside, because on the inside, I feel super fit and super strong. But my body on the outside still wobbles like it worse than it did before because there's nothing inside it keeping it together and that was a real journey in itself of having to accept my body for how it is and not how I thought it should be yeah and the more that I have started to do that now I love my body like I mean it's not to say that I wouldn't change it in the future and and things like that but I'm happy with how it is now. And that is something I never thought I'd say. You know, I never thought I'd be satisfied with how my body looks. And I know that it changes. And I think that's such a important part of self-acceptance. Because again, society tells us that we should always be thinner or younger or whatever it is. And it's just not realistic, you know we're kind of we're given all these ideals and it's just not the truth of how people exist (laughs) you know and and that's the thing once you kind of get rid of that illusion and 
and you start looking in the mirror and pointing out bits of you that you do like that's what I started with you know I had massive body dysmorphia when I was big I thought I, I thought I looked how I look now because I was so strongly in denial about what was going on in my body that in my head I just I thought I looked all right <laughs> and I mean I did look all right and then equally I've had it the other way where when I got smaller I would fit through gaps I didn't think I would fit through because then I had kind of thought that I was bigger it wasn't until because in my head I still wanted to be bigger because equally being bigger kept me safe so there was still a part of me that wanted to look bigger even though that physically that wasn't actually what was happening but that's the thing I was so disconnected from my mind and my body and reality <laughs> that it's taken that time and and still ongoing therapy to be able to build that connection to be like actually no this is what's happening this is that I am safe I am attractive that's okay you know and it doesn't matter how things look or move or wobble or float or whatever like <laughs> because it's just an expression of who I am right now and that's great yeah and and I guess as well having I mean you've already said you have huge gratitude for your body but not only for coping okay in all those years when you weren't giving it care but then to actually go crikey and now now I have been caring for you you're flourishing in how gorgeous you're looking and and hopefully feeling full of vitality and yeah there was a big turning point kind of six months ago I fractured my spine in two places and so I was Oh, gosh. I had a horse riding accident. And so I had gone from being pretty active every day to literally being sat on the sofa over Christmas, <laughs> which is sort of, and so obviously, yeah, I put on, I put on weight and then, um, and I lost a huge amount of confidence in my body. And it's because I'd lost so much strength and, and because moving had become so painful for that period of time, um, mm. it, it did, it was quite a, I had, that's why I joined the Results Academy again to go back for the semi-private personal training so that I would have someone there to support me, to make sure that I was lifting correctly, to make sure that you know I wasn't going to get hurt again. But I could sort of feel resistance when I first started of like, oh, I don't want to lose, I don't want to lose weight. And, and I was like, hmm. I just got curious about where, why is that feeling? And again, it was a safety thing because my body had been in pain. It thought that I had to stay bigger and what I kind of I flipped it in my mind of okay well rather than thinking that I'm only I'm only safe when I'm bigger actually what I'm safest is when I'm strong when my body is strong and and that's what I'm going for now and yeah I've lost weight and I probably will continue to but that's just because I'm lifting more because I'm getting stronger and I do feel that the best I've ever felt within my body within myself and and it's having such a huge knock-on effect I can see it the difference in my horse riding because I'm all over I'm so much stronger than I was because also I'm pushing myself further because now actually in a funny way because I've had the accident and I've experienced that pain and I've survived it now I kind of go, oh, I'm not as scared of pain anymore. 
because actually I, I know I'll be all right. Mm. So in a way, it's kind of given me more confidence to to be able to put, whereas, you know, definitely with lifting weights. I mean, even when I lost the weight the first, originally when I would lift, I probably wouldn't lift more than maybe what's coming to mind is like 30 or 40 kilos. Like I, I wasn't comfortable really lifting heavy. And now I'm lifting, you know, 70 kilos and I'm aiming to get to 100 that's my goal of you know and it's not and about oh i want to be however many stone lighter or whatever it's i want to get to 100 kilos and i know that that's probably going to take me six months or maybe longer or whatever but i'm sure that i'll get there because i tend to <laughs> i tend to achieve things that i <laughs> that i set myself whether i want to or not it just tends yeah. to happen so it's definitely been a massive flip and yeah i'm sure i'll look the best I've ever looked as a byproduct of that, but at that mentality of, yeah, being stronger is now matching the inner strength that I have and feel I have is going to match the outside. That's that's awesome. Yeah, that certainly is awesome, and it just goes to show, doesn't it, that so much of what we go through in life, there is a lesson to be learned from it. Yeah. And it's whether we want to look for that lesson. Um, sometimes it might be a hard lesson to take, but it, it's looking for it and going, oh, okay, that's that's what that had to teach me. And sometimes when stuff happens and the lessons don't necessarily become obvious straight away, but you look back sort of past years, you go, oh, okay, <laughs> that was what that was all about. I understand that now because you can't necessarily see it at the time yeah, definitely I mean you know there are kind of major lessons in life that will keep coming at you but and that's thing you know people kind of they wonder why they are always getting into the same relationships or the same work situations and the same stuff is always happening to them and it's like okay well actually look at the common denominator in all of these situations it's you yeah. it's not the other people that are around you so you're the thing that needs to change and then and then you won't get stuck in it but that again that comes from because everybody is so often so outward focused the only time that you're actually going to get these answers and and break these cycles is by going inwards by looking inwards and getting curious about what you're feeling why you're feeling it how you're going to change it because everything is possible and i've experienced things in my life i'm like that really like that that shouldn't have happened. Like I never, I always thought I would be fat. Like I could not have ever imagined that I would not just be the fat girl. But now I can't imagine ever going back to how I was. But I couldn't, I wouldn't have ever said that four years ago. And that's the thing, like we have to kind of get curious about where our life is going to go and what's going to happen and be open to new experiences because a lot of the time we get so stuck in our discomfort because it becomes our comfort zone it's all we've ever known if all you've ever known is chaos or abusive relationships or or self-harm or whatever it is it is really hard to to move into something new and to the unknown and go actually yeah this could make me happy because you don't know what's going to happen but I've definitely, it's definitely got easier <laughs> the more that I've done it in 
trying to practice a sort of level of non-attachment to people, places and things, you know, the kind of, I had a sort of moment of actually the only thing that is with you through your entire life is you and your connection to you and the universe or God or however you want to something else or nothing, but whatever, it still comes down to you at the end of the day. And so once I realized that, I kind of it really made me turn inwards to an even deeper level because I was like, I'm all I've got forever. And so then it made it made everything else much easier to let go of. People are only going to be other people as much as we can love them in the moments that we have with them. They're only going to be with you for a certain amount of time and then they're going to go. And that's okay because that's life. Like and places and jobs and things and no matter what like nature is about cycles and change and the more that we can get into that and embrace it and get into that flow rather than thinking that we have to be yeah super rigid and everything has to stay the way it's going to it that's what causes so much discomfort so that was definitely a uh, a big thing and, and helped me with the with the body acceptance because I was like, my body, you know, my body changes monthly, <laughs> my body changes yearly, my body all the time, you know, it's always changing. And that's cool. Like to be able to, right, if that's the thing, if you start acknowledging the changes in you and seeing them as like growth and development mm. rather than negativity, yeah, it's a much more beautiful thing. You know, I've noticed recently I've got a lot more wrinkles around my eyes, but they only come out when I smile. So I'm like, oh, cool. Haven't had them before. So obviously I must have been smiling enough in the last three years since I hit say, my 30s. So now I've got smile lines. Awesome. You know, rather than bashing myself and trying to buy some stupid cream or inject myself with whatever to try and be who I was in my 20s when actually I was miserable. No, thanks. Lovely. It's Everything in life is about how you look at it. And if we can just learn and practice how to flip it, life just gets a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And with what you were saying about how, you know, you've only, at the end of the day, you know, that uh, uh, letting go of the attachment that actually it is only you that you come into this life pretty much, you know, you, you do it on, under your own steam, really. And then you, you pass at the end of it. You know, that to me would make me think or makes me think it is just me. So I, I need to look out for me both physically and mentally because I'm the only one that I've got to mm-hmm. to 100% rely on. Yeah. If you want to go down the spiritual way, though, I, I think as a human incarnation is what, um you know, I, I believe that your soul lasts and it you've got dead relatives and guides and whoever else there to support you but actually day to day as a human experience yeah it's you and and your experience of the world is completely individual nobody experiences anything in the same way and and when we try and control other people's experience or, or perception of us or their life it's it's impossible I mean, non-attachment is, um, it's tricky. It's not something that just like, oh yeah, cool, I'm not attached to anything anymore. 
it takes time and practice and obviously you know yeah that's yeah there's but there's it, it's definitely taught me a big difference between attachment and love mm. yeah so I mean so much of the you know I, I bang on about love a lot and I think because I was I always felt like I hadn't experienced it so I understand why it's been such a big part of my path and journey and teaching but I think it is inherent to our existence and I think it's what makes the universe what it is and I think it makes is what makes the world go round and we forget about that and the easiest way to cultivate more love in your life not just you know romantically but in in everything so that you can love everything you do in every day is to connect in with yourself and your body and learn to love you and what you have and experience every day and then it just life just gets more beautiful wow that's lovely do you know what? i could talk to you all afternoon <laughs> or talk with you yeah it's just yeah there's so many questions that I want to ask about the spiritual route as well, but I'm really aware that we're sort of coming up to about an hour or so. But yeah. you know, maybe we can do a a part two at some point in the future. Yeah, I'm sort of fascinated no by problem. all the um, by the the spiritual stuff. It's certainly it's something that I want to explore more. That has kind of just been on the back burner whilst I've not really had the the time to because there's been other other things going on but yeah definitely yeah. it'll be one of those things that's knocking at your door probably yeah quite possibly yeah quite possibly oh well thank you so much for your time Theodora if people would like to find out more about your work how can yes. they find you my website is theodoraifizard.com I'm TFI Reiki on Instagram and on Facebook drop me a message there's lots of information about me and Reiki and working, I work with humans and horses, so happy to speak to whoever's interested. And, and uh, I mean, I definitely, I have a lot of clients that are very varied. So if you, I think you always find the practitioner that's meant for you. If something has resonated, then yeah. And uh, I like to think I'm pretty down to earth as spiritual people go. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's, I'm not particularly wooey. So <laughs> some people resonate with that quite a lot. So yeah, just yeah, get in touch. Fabulous. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. Gosh, that was such a rich conversation. Thank you so much, Theodora. I really enjoy chatting to you and I know that weight and weight loss is an issue for a lot of people and I really hope that if anybody is listening to this who is perhaps struggling with their weight, then it will give them an inspiration or an incentive to maybe think that there's a different way of looking at it. So thank you so much for all the wisdom that you have shared. I'd like to also take the opportunity to thank my support networks who helped me put this podcast together, to Jamie Farrell for the beautiful music, and of course to you, the listener. Thank you so much. It would be really great if you could subscribe, share, if you think that this podcast has been useful. And I'll see you again in a few weeks with another lesson from Lars.